The Athen Real Talk podcast explores controversial ideas to stimulate debate and active thinking. These ideas do not always reflect Athen's personal views. Welcome to the Athen Real Talk podcast. He has been called the best gamer in the world, hands down. World famous gamer and philanthropist Athen. Gaming for good, it's called, has raised more than $20 million. Using his notoriety to raise money for charity. On activism, science, culture, and self-development. I'm proud to have him in the studio today. I would not want to take you on in a video game. When you talk about opportunities with online education, I think the future of free education online is most important in America because how insane the costs are for higher education. Honestly, I think online education, like just degrees and stuff, I'm actually not so much a fan of it. Because I think learning, the best way to learn is to not see learning as a goal but as a tool. And you learn as you try. You know how people here learn, right? You don't come over here and you learn coding. You get to learn the basics, which is quite quick. And then you learn by doing stuff, doing your own project. And the beauty of that is like, then you're much more focused learning because you learn only what you need to fix your stuff. And that's what learning is about, right? It's to be able to use it in practice. How many people just learn for the sake of learning to delay finding a job? How many right now watching the stream just go to the university or school or whatever because of their parents? And they just don't want to find a job because they don't want to go work. So they just learn and learn and learn and learn and go to university because they don't know what the fuck they want to do with their life. How many is just like this? And the thing is, if you have a more focused mindset where you take, you know, ownership and control of your own life, where you say, what do I want to do? And actually put that into practice and learning is a side effect of that. You will see that you learn 100 times faster. I think when you talk about being happy, I can't seem to break through being uh, 7 to 10 for happiness. Nothing is really fun or exciting anymore. I can talk about happiness. Life is not about being happy. You might wonder and say like, what do you mean, Athene? If it's not about happiness, then why am I even alive? I mean, I'm going to die one day anyway. The thing is that you're identifying with you when you say these things. I'm going to die one day. The baby that you were, does he still exist? The version of you 10 years ago, does he still exist? You are changing every time, every day. You're constantly a different entity. The idea of like, oh, I'm going to die in the future, it actually doesn't make so much sense. It's like we are a super organism. Your cells die and reproduce all the time. It's because we identify with an identity and that identity will cease to exist. But for many people, that ceases to exist even before you die, if you have Alzheimer's or whatever. So when we go like, yeah, thing. I only want to live with happiness because I will die. It doesn't make so much sense. It doesn't add up. Like the reason why you exist is not to be happy. The reason why you experience happiness is because you are fulfilled. And what is fulfillment? Fulfillment is merely existential equilibrium. It is basically the neural activity that expresses what you are is just not in conflict with each other. And a lot of people, what they do, what they tend to do, is when they do experience this conflict because their awareness grows, they make it smaller. They escape. They escape the conflict by playing video games or whatever. And then when they get confronted with it again, they try to escape again. Because in that small little bubble of neural activity in their brain, they feel no inner conflict. Thing is, it doesn't even last because the reason why our brain has all these components that are responsible for reproduction, like sex, for example, or social interaction, 
empathy. Why do we have these things? Why do we have these neural machines in our brain, these entire networks? Is because they provide for our survival and the survival of the species. And it's even the same with food. Why do you feel hungry? Do you guys know why you feel hungry? You're like, yes, yeah, because my belly starts rumbling. It's not because of that. The reason why you feel hungry is because the part responsible to have you eat becomes more active. And since you are merely the expression, the manifestation of all your neural activity, if more and more the part that is responsible for food becomes active, it becomes more and more part of your awareness. And that's how it is with everything. Everything you experience are merely neural components that express themselves within their brain. Nothing more, nothing less. You might say like, oh, that sounds a little bit, you know, depressing. No, it's not. It's beautiful, actually, to understand how, you know, how everything is connected. Your environment, the people you talk with, your beliefs, your emotions, everything is connected. And that is also sometimes when people have a hard time to be themselves in the presence of other people is because they have not as strong backbone neural activity that is really strong pathways that are present when you are around people. Because when you're around people, a lot of mirror neurons start firing. And if you don't have a strong backbone or strong neural pathways that make you grounded, you lose yourself because you literally become part of your environment. And understanding this really allows you to put happiness, because that's what was your question, into context, because happiness is merely this existential equilibrium where all these components do not conflict with each other. And how do you do that? It's not by, you know, chasing happiness, because chasing happiness literally does the opposite. For example, right, let me give you the metaphor of an orchestra. If you have an orchestra playing music, the music itself, when it's in harmony, that is happiness. And every single person that is playing an instrument is basically a neural component in your brain. Now, take one person there and say he's just playing the song that is happiness. And he's just trying to be happy. He's trying to constantly focus on being happy. But happiness is a result of all the neural activity being synchronized. So if he's trying to really go like, oh, I need to, need to be happy, the fixation to happiness already goes against the state of what happiness is. So just going for happiness, which is a symptom rather than a root, is actually going against initializing the side effect of happiness because it goes against it. And there is also studies to back this up. If you really are obsessed with being happy, you will be overall less happy than people that just have it happen naturally. So that is why when you tell me like, Athene, what do I do to be happy? The best thing you can do is not care so much about being happy because that's not what life is about. Life is about life itself. And what is life itself? It's not even, I don't get to answer that question. You get to look at life. What is life? It's evolving. It's moving forward. It's reaching for the sky. That's where we're heading. Reaching to the stars, basically. Evolving, uh, technology, thriving as a species, overcoming our obstacles, being able to align ourselves with reality to the point where, not that we can override it because we are always subject to reality, but that we can master it by understanding it. And that starts with understanding yourself. Understanding yourself is a nice path to happiness because what it allows you to do is, is it allows you to overcome a lot of these internal conflict you experience, which is the result why you are not happy. But fixating yourself on happiness is literally inconsistent. It doesn't make sense. And the reason why you have it, and I will go even further, is because you grow up in a society where everybody tells you that it's about happiness. Life is about your experience. Life is about feeling good. It's not true. Experience and feeling good and happiness and all these things are side effects. Life is about life itself. 
And the moment you start seeing it like that, you don't even make it about your happiness. Because even that, life is not about you being happy at all. Life is bigger than you. And if you don't believe it, you can talk to your parents and ask about it. Quite some parents would sacrifice themselves for their kids. And the reason why that is, is because for them, life is more than just them. It's about the legacy or whatever you want to call it. And that is not a bad thing. It's not a thing that is scary. It's rather, it gives so much purpose. It gives so much meaning to life when life is not about you. I want to talk about something else though as well that is really interesting. Because I talk a lot about purpose and meaning and stuff. But some people might really go like, yeah, but the thing, we're all going to die. The universe is going to collapse. It doesn't all matter. Like the nihilistic point of view, right? And I like to address that one as well because I know a lot of people that are more on the intellectual part of the spectrum tend to use that argument to justify their numbness to all emotions. Because funnily enough, we tend to think that our reason is what brings about how we feel, but it's the other way around. We feel numb, we feel depressed or whatever, and then we come up with rationalizations afterwards. Because if you're happy and stuff and you're fulfilled, you wouldn't even think about these things. But even then, people would say like, no, it's because I'm more intelligent or something. I've had my own share of people talking about these things. And I just want to address it because it can be an eye-opener that when you say life has no purpose, that the argument itself is self-contradictory. And what do I mean with that is when you talk about purpose, you already talk about the concept of purpose, which requires people to have created the concept of purpose. And the thing is that the way the brain works is the brain works very binary. It says there is either purpose or there is no purpose. But the thing is that if you take humans out of the equation, then it's not so much like there is no purpose. And you might wonder like, that doesn't make any sense. Purpose, of course, there is no purpose. That's not true. Purpose doesn't exist. And you might say like, yeah, that's the same. That's not the same at all. And I will give you an example. Because when we say purpose doesn't exist or there is no purpose, the difference is that no purpose is the opposite of having purpose. While purpose not existing doesn't even include whether there is purpose or no purpose. The concept of purpose just doesn't exist. And the best way I can explain this is with a metaphor. When you think, how do blind people see? You would say they don't see. So yeah, what do they see? Black. But that's not true. A blind person just sees as much as you see through your elbow. Seeing just doesn't exist. So when you compare seeing, you compare it to no seeing. But if seeing just doesn't exist, then it's very hard to have an emotion towards it. It's like the concept of seeing just doesn't exist. So when you say purpose, you cannot say like there is no purpose. Because in order to say there is no purpose, you need to compare it with purpose. And then you talk about the concept that humans created. When you take purpose out of the equation completely, you can't even talk about it. Because the moment you talk about there is no purpose, you already assume that purpose exists as a concept. And that's why then when you talk about purpose, you got to fulfill all the premises that you take into account talking about purpose, which is also humans creating the concept. And when you take humans into the equation, then of course purpose exists. Because purpose relates to our own reference frame of humans thriving and moving forward. It relates to what we are. And what we are has clear purpose. I mean, if it wasn't for moving forward, if it wasn't for our ability to think and be aware and be able to create these thoughts and ideas, we wouldn't even be able to get to the point of purpose. So just our ability to even ask the question if there is purpose or not on itself already shows there is purpose. Because purpose, if you actually look it up, 
what the definition is of purpose. I'm going to actually Google it. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists, that's purpose, right? Well, there's a clear reason why we exist. We exist to evolve. We exist to thrive. That is what life is. Without that component, we would not exist. So no purpose would literally go against our existence. I mean, there would be no purpose if we wouldn't exist, but we do exist. So therefore, there is purpose because the reason why we do exist is to thrive, to thrive humanity, to move forward, progress, even evolve further than humans. The reason why I'm explaining this is because thinking about these things allows you to widen your perspective and put your life in a bigger context, which gives you meaning and purpose, what brings about action and also fulfillment and happiness. So all the stuff that I'm explaining, just to answer your question, what to do about happiness, I feel very numb. It's the focus on yourself and on happiness and not thinking, putting things into context and perspective that brings about this disconnect with what you are. And understanding yourself and not running away from understanding yourself by just experiencing the emotion and really holding on to it and figuring out why you are what you are brings about this more and more existential consistency which brings about more happiness. What do you think about Jesus? My answer to that question is not going to be a standard answer, but it's a very interesting way of thinking about it. When you think about Jesus, right, you reckon that you're talking about Jesus the person, right? But the thing is, it's not true. When you talk about Jesus, you talk about the stories and the intersubjective conceptualization that you have been conditioned to believe as you grew up. Because the person, Jesus, you don't know who he is. You just know the stories that people told you. It's an intersubjective construct that people told. If you talk about Jesus to, you know, the people in your environment, or you go to Africa and you talk about Jesus there, you will see that they have different stories about Jesus. So the Jesus that you're referring to is an intersubjective construct. It's a mental entity that has been elevated in your awareness because you're emotionally attached to an ID because you've learned to do so. But Jesus itself as a person, as the human being, we don't know who he was or what he did. We just can assume. And he was just a human being, just like me and you. I think Jesus probably did exist. But the ID and the thoughts we have about Jesus are not the one that are based on the factual Jesus that has existed more than 2,000 years ago, but actually the stories and the tales that have moved on. And when you realize that, and you look at it from a perspective angle, and you understand that the idea of Jesus is merely an intersubjective construct, and that Jesus itself was just a human, if you find certain traits in the concept of Jesus, and you distinguish yourself from them because you label them as Jesus, you dehumanize him in order to justify or rationalize why you can't do what he did. But the thing is, if Jesus was just a good person, and if you imagine like you go back in time and you get to meet him, I mean, he would just be a normal person. He wouldn't be shooting fireballs and shit. He would be just a normal person, just like me and you. That person, that good person is also in you. It's in every one of us. We all have the potential to be good. We all have the potential, even more so, to be even a better person than Jesus. Jesus did not have the information that we have access to. Jesus didn't have the resources that we have access to. We can literally be a better person than Jesus. We have the potential. I'm not saying we are. I'm saying we have the potential to be a better person than Jesus if we would, you know, 
find it in ourselves and try to be as consistent as possible and just be doing what is right. But we have this distinction to say like, oh, we got Jesus and try to find it in Jesus rather than to ourselves. Because for a lot of us, it's easier. It's just easier to say like, oh yeah, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus loves us. Jesus this, Jesus that. But finding the Jesus in yourself. And when I say Jesus in yourself, I mean like this good person that really tries to do what is right and is selfless is something that we're all capable of doing. And that's the thing, like we tend to really, you know, have this social conditioning where we think within the intersubjectivity, right? But at the end of the day, when you strip away the intersubjective framework, which intersubjective, what I mean with that is what other people believe and say, if you strip your worldview from the intersubjective glasses you have on, you get to see reality for what it is much clearer. You get to see the truth much clearer. And that's what it's about at the end of the day. It's not about stories or fairy tales or whatever. It's about the truth. And the truth is defined by reality. And the only thing we can do is we can ballpark it with our senses. We can ballpark it with what we've learned from other people. We can ballpark it with trial and error, with measurements, with the scientific method. All these tools allow us to get closer to what reality is. But at the end of the day, reality is the truth. And in order to find the truth, the best thing you do is to be as least biased as possible and see it for what it is. And when you ask me the question of what do you think about Jesus... I'm explaining that Jesus itself is merely a construct, a mental construct within the intersubjectivity. Same with God. It's a construct in the intersubjectivity. What is God? What is the reality of God? Or what is the reality of Jesus? The reality of Jesus is he was a human being just like me and you, much more likely than he was a magician that could shoot fireballs. And the thing is, when you look at that, for some people it might sound scary, but it's actually very liberating because it allows you to come closer to Jesus and God than you've ever been because you start understanding it more. You start understanding more like being a good person is something that is inside me. If you would say God is everything, God is the creator, then every time you understand why certain things work, why laws work the way they work, you get a bit closer to understanding God. And that's the thing, like no matter how you frame it or warp it, or which concepts you use to navigate your own life or find safety in what you say, you have the ability to frame them in a way that enriches your ability to widen your perspective and really enrich your own life and those of others. And I want to give you guys a good example. It's a sad one. It's a sad example, but it's a good one because reality wins always. During the Ebola crisis, right, I went to Liberia and basically one of the biggest issues of Ebola was not so much to stop the spread, because it's actually quite easy to stop the spread of Ebola, because it doesn't spread through air. It spreads through touch. It's not an airborne disease. The thing is, the reason why it spread so fast was because Liberia was very traditional cultural society where they had traditions where they buried the dead. And they had an entire ceremony where people kissed the forehead and such. And it is people died from Ebola they went to bury them and people started to interact with the corpses and they started getting the Ebola virus themselves. And even though doctors and even on the state media, they were warning to not bury people in the traditional way and stay away from the dead, people just kept doing it and even started conspiring that it was an American trick or something to take away their culture. It's actually quite interesting to see how it went. The crazy thing though, 
is that even though initially the shamans and the leaders of each community were having a narrative of like, ah, yeah, it's the evil outside trying to take away our traditions or whatever, they all started dying because of Ebola. And what you had was just reality enforced it to the point where within half a year, the entire tradition and culture, warm culture of touching each other was completely gone. All of it. So when I went to Liberia, by the time I went there, nobody gave hands. Nobody touched each other. Nobody did, you know, any of that. Once someone got Ebola, they shunned them immediately. No contact, nothing. And the reason why that is, is because no matter how strong the intersubjectivity is, because the intersubjective reality was all like, yeah, it's not us, our ancestors, our shamans, our whatever. We got this, right? You feel really strong. But if everybody starts dying around you and reality hits you and smacks you in the face, you start aligning yourself with it, whether you like it or not. And that's the thing. The truth, even though sometimes it's not as pleasant, you don't want to give up certain traditions and such. You don't want to give up the stories you tell your children and stuff. You don't want to give up on that. The truth always prevails because the truth is reality. And you can, same with like, you know, people running away from their problems. You can run away from your problems, but you can't run away from yourself. And that's why, you know, facing and confronting yourself with the truth and going about it in a way that you have understanding to navigate it, to navigate the truth, to navigate reality, is so much more of a consistent, stable paradigm than the one where you just focus on having the best experience and you'll load up. Subscribe to youtube.com slash wins. Watch the live stream at twitch.tv slash live and follow the real Athene on Snapchat.